<laughs> you can. People do. Okay. So we what we spoke about last week was the aspect of ur isamoso. You shall see the the tzitzis, or you shall see godliness, perhaps. Um, and we talked about it. It was really a life changing. Literally, right? Life-changing, world-changing approach that Rabbi Leifter thought, which is using using the vision, and in which we're including the power of envisioning, since that's clearly what's meant when we talk about what we don't look at. We're also talking about what we don't visualize in our minds. You know, not letting our minds go places they shouldn't go, but but also reversing this now so that the Torah is telling us we should look at something, then. What the Torah is telling us is we should look at, for example, the tzitzis, and the tzitzis itself should speak to us of the spirituality behind it. And that idea was then expanded out to everything in the world. That it is possible to look at the world in such a way that everything physical in the world we speaks to us of the spiritual message behind it, of the spiritual reality behind it, of the... Um, it, the t- it's the, as being a tip of an iceberg, and that it is it is possible. It takes work, and at the beginning, it might only be little areas here or there where it's actually we feel that we're successful in it. I'm just talking about what we spoke about last week, um, but that that it is possible to see the world in such a way as to as to see the spiritual messages of the world, and that 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 is almost a setting free of the world. That is a way of, that is is the real tikkun olam that has gotten such a distorted message over the years. But the real tikkun olam is, the real way of, so to speak, repairing or perfecting the world is allowing it to become what it is truly meant to be. And everything in the world is meant to sing a shira, is meant to be a declaration of God's holiness into the world and his presence in the world. So when we see that in something physical, we allow it to become its full potential. And that is the ultimate the ultimate completion of whatever that item is, whether it's a penny, or a flower, or a tree, or a sitter. Good morning. When we can see in it the message that it was meant to give us, then we've allowed it to achieve its purpose and perfect its purpose. And that's the ultimate gift, both to the world and to ourselves. Today's topic, I want to continue on the idea of how we're supposed to see. This idea of or isamoso. How we're supposed to see the world and how that how that changes us and how that changes the world. Last week we also spoke about Rus, so maybe I should just refer back to that as well, because um, not only was it relevant going into Shavuos, but it built the idea another step, which is in seeing the good that there is in the world, a person becomes a channel and a vehicle of bracha. When we see the bracha in the world and we acknowledge it, we hook ourselves in and become part of that pipeline of recognizing God's bracha and speaking of that bracha, which causes a positive loop of bracha that 
increases. And this was a quality of Rus. So now we're going to take this. I, I don't know if it's necessarily one step further, because this isn't, I'm not sure this is Dafka building on top, but certainly another step of this idea, building with the idea of how we see. And that's this, I, I did Xerox this set of source sheets, um, in case you want to follow inside for some of the psukim. This is, I think we touched on this in the davening shear. It was not this cycle through Shemos. That was, I think, the previous cycle through Shmos. And it was in those days, in these days, those days, Shmos paraphrase, Vayigdal Moshe, Moshe grew up, and he went out to his brothers. Vayar and he saw their suffering, their burden. Vayar and he saw an Egyptian hitting, um, a Hebrew of his brothers. Vayifen kovacho, and he looked this way and that way. Vayarki ein ish, and he saw that there was no man. Vayaches hamitzri, and he hit the mitzri. Vayitmenehu bachol. The mitzri died, and Moshe buried him in the sand. Vayetze bayom hasheni, he went out on the next day. Vehine shnei anoshem ivrim nitzim vayomer. Okay, I don't even think we need to go all the way through. Let's not go all the way through. Let's jump down to the Rashi, which is actually in the same paragraph. It's just the bottom three lines. Vayigdal Moshe, and Moshe grew up. Vehalo Kvarkosov. In the previous Pasuk, it said, Vayigdal Hayela, the boy grew up. And that's the previous verse. So why is the Torah telling us, Vayigdal Moshe, and Moshe grew up? Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Eloi, Harishon Lakoma, Vahashenin Ligdula. The first time it says he grew up, it's physical growth. He grew up. He got taller. <laughs> he got bigger. The second time it's telling us he grew inside. He became emotionally grown up and spiritually grown up. Sheminahu paro albeso, that paro appointed him over his household. In other words, he became greater. He became a grown up and he was given grown up jobs. But we understand from this, of course, that he became a person able to handle responsibility. And what you see, the effect of that is, Vayar Losam, he was able to see the burden of his brothers. Nasan Enav Vilibo, he gave his eyes and his heart, Lihios Metzer Alehem, to be constricted with them, to suffer with them. So this jumps out, as it did for me this year through Shmos, because we were working on Shma, because you say, that's interesting. It's not just that, I, I mean, I understand I could make a nice sheer out of this anyway, talking about he saw their suffering and we're talking about sight, right? But it's more than that. Because the way Rashi put it wasn't just that he saw them, he gave his eyes and his heart mm -hmm. in order to feel the suffering with them. So... <laughs> He's talking exactly about the issue we're discussing here, which is this interaction between the heart and the eyes. It's not just, um, so to speak, that, the, that what you look at and what you don't look at, but specifically the impact that has on your heart. Oh, here's Mrs. Khan. That's great. Hi, how are you? Good to see you, Betty. Hi, Betty. Hello. I'm sorry. What this, 
what this touches on, we were just talking about the verses in Shemos that say that Moshe grew up. He became a grown-up not only physically but also emotionally, able to handle responsibility. And as a consequence, when he went out to his brothers, he gave his eyes, he gave them to his eyes and his heart in order to feel their suffering, their restriction, their tsaras with them, with the, the Jewish people. So as, actually as a consequence of <laughs> a conversation that happened over Shavuos here in the shul, sort of after davening time, there was somebody who was talking to the rabbi about the meaning of sight versus hearing. It was a, quite an extensive conversation. Um, and it gave me occasion to look back at some of my notes on Pokeach Ivrim, and I was looking for a particular reference, which, of course, I didn't find, um, which was awkward. But anyway, didn't find the reference, but I did happen to look back through there. And the combination of what some of the things Rabbi Apter said and some of the things I see in my notes, just it brought out a point that I don't think I brought out until now, but which is worth understanding, especially in the context of Shema, which is about hearing, right? And we know that Shema is talking to the mind. And we spent a lot of time talking about that back in the day, and now we're sort of talking about sight. Hearing is essentially a primary tool for allowing us to receive information and understand and interact with the people around us, with other people. And vision is the essential tool for allowing us to get information and interact with the world around us. The vision is more important for relating to the environment and the hearing is more important for relating to the people, which is a very fine and interesting distinction. It's, it's, it's both a distinction and a commonality. You know, when you're in school and they say compare and contrast, it's a compare and a contrast because both of them allow us to get information from a distance. But they do so in different ways and they carry a different kind of information. And the hearing speaks more directly to our mind and the seeing speaks more directly to our hearts. And what Moshe did here, and this is, this is now where we want to dive in a little bit. What Moshe did was he gave his eyes and his heart. In other words, he made a conscious decision. It's not that he went for a walk and he saw that there was abuse going on, slave abuse out in the fields. That's not what Rashi's telling us. I mean, he may have gone out for a walk and happened to see that, but probably he had seen it his whole life. It's unlikely that he was so protected in the palace that he never got to see slaves working outside, right? What he did was he, allowed, he gave his eyes to see that instead of what is a common reaction when we see people who are suffering, which is to look away because it makes us feel uncomfortable. What Moshe did was he gave his eyes to it. When he saw the people were being beaten and he saw the people were being hurt, instead of protecting himself against it, he consciously decided 
to allow his eyes, not to allow his eyes, to force his eyes to look at what was really going on in order that he could feel with his heart what was really being experienced and what was going on in order, lihios, for in order that he could feel the suffering that was being experienced by the people there. Okay. And in the next section, it says, Vayar Elohim es Bnei Yisrael, Elohim. I think there may be a word missing there. Let me get a chomish. Working off of a source sheet is always a little risky. Nope, no words missing. God saw the Jewish people and God knew. And Rashi says, what does it mean God knew? What did he know? Because we know that when the Torah says that somebody knows, it's a pretty intimate kind of knowledge, right? Nasan alehem lev. God gave his heart on them. It's the same kind of reference, Nasan. Moshe gave his eyes and heart. And here, God saw the Jewish people and gave his heart on them. Now, lasim lev, to place heart, is the, that's how we say to pay attention. So, nasan alehem lev means to pay attention. But if you translate it word for word to English, you get something about what it means to pay attention. It means to pay, to actually contribute, to put an effort into the attention. It's not just to notice incidentally. Velo he'elim enav, and God did not avert his eyes, so to speak. God doesn't see with eyes, right? God did not avert his gaze from us. He looked and gave heart, allowed the feeling. Now, it's inescapable that this is at least in part triggered by what Moshe did. That Moshe was able to do that, and then all of a sudden Hashem does it after all these years of suffering. Okay. This is not an entirely new idea, because as I said, I think, I'm pretty sure we talked about this uh, a little over a year ago. But... We're going to go even farther with this. So there's a lot of things to talk about there, you know, leadership quality and all kinds of things. But let's just at this moment realize that there is such a concept that when we allow ourselves to feel someone else's pain, it is possible that Hashem himself then gets involved to feeling their pain to a different degree Okay, now we know that whenever we're suffering, Hashem is in our pain with us. But that there is an element of, let's not say that it causes Hashem to do it, but that it arouses the awareness of that. It enhances it. It amplifies the response that God has to the pain. In the next parak, God ignites a bush Moshe becomes a, uh, a shepherd in, for, in Midian. And Hashem sends him a burning bush, and it's not consumed. And Moshe says, that's interesting. Let me go check, okay? 
And again, he's paying attention. What's going on? Even with the bush, what's going on with the bush? And Hashem says to him, Ra'o ra'isi, es oni ami, asher b'mitzrayim. I have surely seen the suffering of my nation in Mitzrayim, ve'es tzakasom shamati, and I have heard their cries, mipnei noksha, from those who oppress them. Ki odati es machovav, because I have known their pain. Ki odati es machovav, I have known their pain. Rashi says, kemova yedo elokim. Like we said before, and God knew. In other words, ki samti lev, I put my heart, lehis bonein, to reflect upon, to consider, to think about, veladas, and to know es machovav, to really know the pain, velo elamti enai, and I did not avert my eyes, velo etom es oznai, and I did not stop up my ears mitzakasam from their from their cries. And one more, which will further lead us into another doorway of vision, which is much later at Matan Torah. Not in Parshas Yisro. But there is more of Matan Torah that's described in Parshas Mishpatim. Vayal Moshe ve'aharon, and Moshe and Aharon went up. This is Parak Chavdalid Pasuk Tes. Moshe and Aaron went up. The Nadav Avihu and Nadav and Avihu, the two eldest sons of Aaron, v'shivim mizikne Yisrael, and seventy of the elders of Israel. Vayiru es Yisrael, and they saw the God of Israel. Now we don't. We're going to talk about this a bit. It's if there wasn't a verse that said this, we would never say such things because you know you can't see God. God is not visible. God doesn't have a physical aspect at all. Visachas Raglav, and under this vision of the divine force that they saw, underneath they saw something Kemaase that was like a form, Livnas Hasapir, of a sapphire. We, we mentioned this, sapphire may or may not mean sapphire, some kind of jewel, either diamond or sapphire, a sapphire brick, Uchaetzam Hashamayim Latohar, like the very essence of the skies in its purity. Ve'elatzile b'nei Yisrael, and to the great ones, or the near ones, like we've talked about, olam ha'atzilus, is associated with kisei ha'kavod, nearness to God. Elatzile b'nei Yisrael, lo shalach yado, he did not send his hand. God did not send his hand, which Rashi says, he did not kill them then, even though they were chai of misa for looking. Vayechazu es ha'elokim, they gazed upon this image of God, vayochlu vayishtu, and they ate and they drank which Rashi says means they satiated themselves spiritually, not that they actually ate and drank, although some of Farshim do say, no, it means that they ate and drank too, celebrating this amazingly new high level that they had reached. Okay, so Rashi, uh, Rashi asks, what is the, what is the significance? Uh, we, these verses are difficult to understand what we could possibly learn from them. <laughs> what, can, what could we learn from these psukim? We have literally no way to relate to them at all. And in fact, it's difficult to understand why the Torah, why Hashem saw fit to put such verses in the Torah when we are not equipped to deal with them. 
So we look to the Mepharshim, who will tell us what we can learn from them. So Rashi says, they saw a vision that was like the form of a sapir brick. And the Gemara in Sota says, what is the sapphire brick? You know why God has a sapphire brick? It was in front of God. There was a some kind of reminder that was in front of God during the entire period of time of the slavery in Egypt. They were building bricks, and they felt abandoned by God, and God isn't listening. But the truth is that he had an image of a brick, so to speak, in front of him. What does that mean? We've talked about it before. The idea of zechira, of memory, is when something is in the forefront of your conscious awareness. Hashem was showing an image of the holy throne, whatever that means. In other words, where judgment is passed, where God is attending to the affairs on earth, and he's showing them that you know what was in the forefront of his mind? They're suffering. There was before him an image of a brick the entire time of the slavery. Lee's court sarasan shall Yisrael to be a reminder of the suffering of Israel. Shahayu mishubadim b'maise levenim, who were enslaved by means of bricks, with actions relating to bricks, which is reassuring to know that they weren't forgotten even though they only are hearing this later on. Okay. So, piece number one. This is a... When I went to look up the source of this statement in the Gemara, I found that it's in four or five places. Okay. The standard by which a person measures is the standard by which he is measured. The ruler we use to measure other people is the ruler which is used to measure us. So that's part of the message of the looking, meaning how are we looking at other people? Are we seeing their suffering? Then that is the ruler used to measure us. God will look at our suffering. Will we be able to pay attention to how someone else is feeling and care how they're feeling? God will... turn also look at us and care how we're feeling. God cares how we're feeling, but we can become aware of that and attune to it. We've talked about not looking at certain things, right? That was a few weeks ago. We talked about some things are better kept in the dark. Some things we shouldn't look at too closely. We don't have to scrutinize everything with a critical eye to see what's wrong with it. It's an aspect of Yahavta Lareacha Kamocha. And we also will be looked at more in that way by God. Maybe not everything has to be scrutinized so closely with a critical eye to see where we're going wrong. And we spoke last week about seeking to see the good and the bracha and to draw close to others through what we do look at. And, again, that Hashem will look at us, we hope, in such a way to see what's good about us and to draw us closer. So, as we wish Hashem to interact with us, we can use the power of what we look at 
to help develop that by how we look at other people is how Hashem will look at us. Okay. Which helps us understand this whole Golos of Mitzrayim altogether. Because we always have this question back in Bereshis at the Brisbane Habasarim. Hashem says, I am Hashem your God who took you out of Orkazdim to give you this land as an inheritance to your children. God says to Avraham. And, Hash- and Avraham says to Hashem, Bama edaki irashena. With what shall I know that I will inherit it? And we always have this question because the Pasuk itself testifies vehemin ba'ashem, that Avraham trusted God. That was actually where I quoted the Rav Hirsch over Shavuos about emuna, allowing one's actions to be shaped and molded according to our ability to rely on someone else. Okay, that's vehemin ba'ashem. That's the source of the concept of emuna. So it sounds like a lack of imuna. God says, I'll give you the land. And Avram says, how do I know? Like, I need some kind of sign. No. What it actually means is, how do I know? I don't have a bracious out. I don't want to. It's not that he was asking for a sign. This is according to Rashi. He was asking, in what merit will I be able to inherit? Because it's all very nice for you, for Hashem to say, I'm going to give you this land to give to your children, to bequeath it, but what if the children don't deserve it? And we all know what Hashem's response was. Hashem's response to Avram saying, how do I know I'll inherit it is, They will be strangers in a strange land, and they will be afflicted. In the strange land. In other words, the answer is gullus. The darkness hides the flaws. You're worried, how will my children inherit the land? It's, if there's any problem, if it gets too bad, I'll put them into darkness. The darkness hides the flaws. If there is no merit, that's okay, I won't notice. Right? I won't look. I won't see that there's no merit. I'll put them into darkness. And then it could be, in fact, there's a pasuk in Shir Hashirim. Don't look at me that I've become blackened. Actually blackened by the sun, which is, takes it another step, right? That I'm burned. Don't look at me when I'm black. It makes it harder for us to see Hashem, but it makes it so to speak, covers up our flaws from God. And in that darkness, if we see the good in others, then Hashem opens up that crack to see the good in us. Which I suggest maybe could explain the Pasuk also in Shir Hashirim. I am black and beautiful are the girls of Jerusalem. Meaning, for myself, I'm in the dark. But when I look at the others, I see that they're beautiful. I look at the others and see that they're beautiful, and somehow Hashem will then look at me only when I'm looking beautiful.
um, I heard in a shear, and I did not ever manage to find the source. I know I mentioned this before, which was Rav Yonashan Ibeshitz asks the question, why Paro didn't enslave Shevet Levi in Mitzrayim? Shevet Levi never showed up for the initial draft, the volunteer brigade, to build Pison and Ramses. And therefore, they were never followed up with. But really, Paro must have known that, you know, I don't know, not 10%, but 8% or whatever it was, the Jewish people never showed up, so why didn't he go look for them? Let's go round them up. And he gave the answer that Paro, you know, he had, Paro had a lot of information from the stars about what to expect for the Jewish people. <laughs> what to expect when you're expecting a geula. And he saw, for example, that there would be somebody, and it wasn't clear if it was someone Jewish or someone Egyptian, who would be the leader, who would free them. He saw all these different things. He saw there would be a boy, so they were throwing all the babies in the river. And that what he also saw was that it would involve the tribe of Levi. And because he saw that it would involve the tribe of Levi, his reasoning was, Mishe'eno bitzara lo yachol lehoshia. One who is not suffering cannot save. This is very profound, and it works on many levels. Whether it's one who is not suffering won't care enough to save, one who is not suffering, the others won't think he cares enough about them. But there's a very deep truth. One who is not himself in the suffering will not be the source of the salvation. And this gives us another layer of the power of this incident that the Torah saw fit to tell us about. Moshe went out and he gave his eyes and his heart, Leos Meitzar Alehem, to get into the suffering with them. It's true, Moshe, of all people, even of Shevet Levi, was the least involved in the suffering. He was in the palace. I don't think Paro knew that Moshe was going to be the savior. Pretty clear, there were some suspicions that were aroused when he was young, but, but if he had known, it would have been the safest place to keep him. Keep him in the palace where he lives a privileged life. Why would he want to rock the boat? Mm -hmm. And Moshe went out and he put himself into their suffering with them. He felt it with them, which was the undoing of Paro's plan. So there's a hiddenness in Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim, the place of Mitzar, right? There's a hiddenness and there's a power of revelation of what has been hidden, revealing the suffering and acting on it as well. And this is something where we've spoken about this a little bit in the past. You know, when we have the question of when am I supposed to be mekabel, like just accept what Hashem is doing to me, so to speak, versus acting. And I, we, this we did talk about this year. Right, that when we see that someone else is suffering, that is the time to act. When we ourselves are suffering, it could be that we need to act, and it could be it's time for us to turn to Hashem and ask Him to save us. Mm -hmm. But when we see that someone else is suffering, whether or not there's a chance of helping them, we still have to act to help them. <clears throat> but I want to go a little farther with this idea of the, the brick and the... Okay.
in Mishpatim, so we're back now to the image of the brick that was before God. This Rashi will jump out at you as it jumped out at me, at least now. In Perik Yud of Mishpatim Chavdalid, Vayiru, they saw, Vayiru Eisel Yisrael, they saw the God of Israel. What does it mean they saw? Rashi says, Nistaklu, they looked. They weren't supposed to look, it seems, right? They looked, Vehetzitsu, and they peered. Now we know the word Vehetzitsu because we've thought about it a lot because it's one of the roots of the word Tzitzis which means to peer into a plane that isn't the plane you're in. Okay. Nistaklu veheitsitsu. They looked and they peered. Heitsitsu, they peeked, they looked into a plane that they were not in. Venishaivu misa. And became liable for death. Nishaivu misa, they deserve death. But Rashi goes on to say, not now, this wasn't the right moment. Okay. The El Atsile Bene Israel, the Atsilim, meaning those who are looking at the plane of Atsilus, which isn't a place we could look, which is associated with the Kisei Hakavo, which is clearly referenced here, Tachas Raglav Kemaisa Livnas Hasafir. This is where they were trying to look. And Sifse Chachamim, even in explaining the Rashi, points out, Nistaklu Balev, what Rashi is trying to tell us here is that they looked with their hearts. Why? As Rashi explains below, Avalo Re'iya Mamish, it wasn't visual, it wasn't a visual stimulus that caused it directly, because the Torah says, Kilo misa. There's nothing physical to see, or that this glory is too great to see and survive. We're gonna we're gonna come to this. And why were they chai of misa? Al shenichnesu. Where does this come go? I'll read it from my notes. Shenichnesu lifnim mimichitzasan, because they crossed the boundary. They went within, they went to the other side of their mechitza. They're supposed to be on this side of the mechitza, and they went to the other side of the mechitza, so to speak. They peeked through, and they weren't supposed to. So what's this? Yeah. Okay. We're, this is all very, like I said, it's sort of like you read this and it's maybe we shouldn't read it. I don't know, but it's a Pasuk in the Torah. So we're clearly meant to read the Torah. Mm-hmm. At least once a year, you're going to come through this Parsha. So, okay. So look at the Orachayim over here. He says, what is the Torah telling us? Perhaps the intention of the verse here is in accordance with elsewhere, which we'll take a look at. 
where the Pasuk says, Vahasi Rosi es kapi, vera isa. I will remove my, kaf is a cup, like a cupped shape. It can mean the palm of the hand. It can even mean the sole of the foot, which is the same kind of curved shape. So I will remove the palm of my hand. I'll remove my hand and you will see. Hare kiyase havdola biyado la nivra em mihabit el ha elokim. When the Torah wants to describe, Hash, we go, not quite there yet. Hashem makes a havdola. Hashem makes a separation. And the separation that God makes which prevents his creations from looking upon his full glory in the world is called his hand. Yeah, this just opens up all kinds of new things. When the Torah, this is what the Orachim is suggesting. When the Torah uses the word hand with relationship to God, no, the hand. Yeah, so that's a hand. Well, give me little by little. I'm not sure exactly what we'll do because we're going to end up probably very over time if we want to close off some of these pieces, even if we don't finish the topic, just so we don't walk away for a whole week <laughs> carrying some of this. Okay. When God makes a havdalah, a separation, and the purpose of the separation is to prevent his creations from looking upon his glory slash light slash chesed. That's called his hand. So let's say the mighty hand, right? Well, a mighty hand is din. That's justice, right? It also has the effect, din has the effect of obscuring our view of chesed. This is true even for Moshe. When Moshe asked to have revelation of the Shekhinah, Shekhinah being the most intense revelation of God's glory into the physical world, it was true even then. Hashem said, it's, we'll, we'll take a look at these verses later. God placed his hand upon him. It doesn't mean God has a hand. This is the terminology that the Torah uses to refer to this aspect of the relationship of God to us. Piresh bechina hamefachsekes, an aspect and and a relation, um, a characteristic of that which causes a barrier or separation. If you imagine someone putting their hand out, right? It's something that keeps a separation. that he not see. The kan and here the pasuk informs us yado. To those atzile yisrael, the ones who are very near and dear of the Jewish people, meaning Nadav and Avihu, lo shalach yado. God did not send His hand, which Rashi said means He didn't make them die now. He didn't send his hand, God did not prevent them from seeing it. That would have been called sending out the hand. God did not send out the hand. In other words, God did not cause the barrier 
that would have prevented Nadav and Avihu from seeing this vision, and it was a function of their importance and value in his eyes. It was an aspect of love they were trying to see, and God didn't stop them. He permitted them, or allowed them, to feast their eyes on his glory, on the light of God's glory. This is what the Pasuk was alerting us to, that this is what they saw. What does that say? They saw great light of God. Even with all of that, that great light of God is like the lowest possible aspect of the great light of God. The under the feet, that would be like the lowest. But after that, that God did not, quote unquote, send his hand. In other words, God did not send forth his power that would have prevented them. They were able to see that which in Tehillim, right? That uh, there's only one thing I wish, which is to gaze upon the pleasant glory of God. And they enjoyed it. This is the eating and drinking. The true satisfaction of feeling of goodness in their souls. But we also understand that there's an element here that's not so amazing because now they have to die. Okay. So maybe we'll take a look. Imparshas Kisisa. Ay, ay, ay. Kisantite. Imparshas Kisisa. Sorry, let me just find the right pasuk. If I can. Okay. Moshe said to Hashem, Re'e ata omer elai ha'alas ha'am hazeh v'ata lo hodatani eisa shertish lach ami v'ata amarta yedaticho v'shem v'gam ata sachein be'enai. The Jews have done the sin of the golden calf. It's bad news. And Moshe goes up to plead for their forgiveness. V'ata, and now, imnam ata sachein be'enecha, if I have found favor in your eyes, God, hodzieni na'asterachecha, let me understand your ways. Ve'eda'acha, that I will know you, l'man emtzachein be'necha, and better find favor in your eyes. Ure'e ki amcha hagoi hazeh, and help me see that this nation is your nation. Vayomar, and Hashem said, I'm going to skip a little bit because these are two, Okay. This thing which you have spoken about, I will do for you. You have found favor in my eyes. I will, I don't know, I think there's too many ways that could be understood. I will make myself known to you with the holy name of God. 
the holy name meaning not just one angle of God's interaction, but a more unified one. And we understand from here part of Moshe's question was, why do things sometimes, bad things happen to good people? Why do we see things in darkness? How come we can't see Hashem's full chesed interacting with the world and the justice in its full way? And Hashem says, I will show you some of that. And Moshe said, Har na please show me your glory. And Hashem said, Ani avir koltuv, koltuvi al panecha. I will pass all my goodness before you, the karasi v'shem Hashem lefanecha, and bring out the name of God, the infinite creator, which is everything, was, is, will be, Hashem echad, all that is unified in goodness before you. I'm skipping a little. And he said, lo sucha leros es panai, but you will not be able to see that. Ki lo yirani ha'adam v'chai. No, no man, no human can see this glory of God that would be expressed into the physical world through the aspect of God's name of infinite love and creation and still live. This is an idea we've spoken about before in other terms, that the machitza is what allows us to look at God. If you remember a long time ago, this is essentially a similar idea that sometimes it is because of the distance that we can look. Rav Schwab talked about it. He compared it to looking at the sun. A person can't look at the sun because our eyes, our physical eyes, are too sensitive for that, and they will burn out, and then they can't see it at all. So a person could look through a filter, a suitably polarized glass, but it cuts a lot of the light. On the one hand, you see less light. On the other hand, you can look at it. Otherwise, you have to look away from it. So sometimes by looking away, you could have more light, but by blocking, you can look more directly. This is a similar concept here. And Hashem said, here is a place. I'm going to stand you by this rock. And when my glory passes you, I shall shelter you in the rock, visakosi, which is similar to like sukkah, I will, to shelter or shade, visakosi chapi alecha ad ovri. I will place my hand and shelter you with my hand until this glory passes. Vahasirosi es kapi, and only then will I remove this element of hand, of barrier and separation that, that keeps a certain space. You know, it's also, it's again, it's keeping distance through closeness. Because when you reach out a hand, you're also closer to someone. You're closer to them in some ways, and you're maintaining a distance in others. Maybe that's what I was trying to let the right hand come closer. That's right. So if it's a separation, how is it also that's right. closer? But you're well, this is really Moshe's question. How do you have a right hand and a left hand functioning? But we understand Hashem is Hashem Echad, and we also understand that we can't really understand it. Not in, this, not in this life, because the physical world, which allows us to interact directly with God, also prevents us from truly seeing how that interaction is happening. And then Hashem says, Hasirosi es kapi, I shall remove my hand, veraiso es achorai, you will see from after the fact. Ufanai lo but not before the fact. In other words, you can see after the fact how Hashem's interactions with the world are really all truly one and chesed and just, but not before that. You can only see that after the fact. Okay.
Now, why did I come here? Because I wanted, first of all, because we referenced it, but also in order that we could see the Sephorno, the Sephorno's explanation. Well, the Orchaim also has a very interesting explanation here, but I think we're probably going to focus on Sephorno. Well, actually, let's read the, um, before I get to the Sephorno, I will read the Orchaim. just have some text of it here, because, because that will follow through his approach that we just read on Nadav and Avihu. Of course, with God, there is no concept of the front and the back before and after. The Torah is telling us, Hashem is telling us, that it's not possible for any creation to see God's full light, and therefore he creates a veil. And through the veil, we can look. And that is called the after the fact, or behind the scenes looking as Hashem has made us also, where we have a front side and a back side of our bodies. And you can see somebody from the back, you can see someone from the front. If you see someone from the front, you can't tell what they are going, sorry. When you see someone from the front, you can see more of their intention, what they are going to do. Because you can see that on their face. That's the panim, that's the lifanim. The front, lifanim, is that. And the achor is seeing where they have been so to speak, the impact they have left afterward. And you see that that's a consistent way that the words are used in Chumash. So if the Torah says, achar hadvarim ha'ela, after these things, it means, and also following as a result of the impact of those things. Mm-hmm. So the back, achar doesn't mean back, achar means like after. It means, we use it as, as back of something, but it doesn't mean the back, it means the after. It means that the situation which has been impacted by what came before. So similarly, Hashem has, when he sends his bracha to us, that's a light, but we can also only look at this through means of after the fact. This is how we can see it. Okay. And he expects us to understand from this better about Nadav and Avihu as well. Okay, so the Sephorno says, Es kavodecha. Moshe says, I want to see your glory. What does that mean? What is he asking for? I want to see your glory. Like, I, I, I'm curious, I can't, what does it mean? Ech yishpa metzios kol nimtza mi metzios secha. Moshe is saying he wants to see, in other words, to understand how the reality of everything in the world can possibly be a result of God's influence in the world. Im rocha kayachas considering how distant some of the things in the world seem to be from godliness. There's so much we see in the world that is difficult to understand. How could this be an expression of God's loving creation in the world? Right? Why does God create someone like that or something like that or a disease like that or events like that? Moshe is saying when he says, I want to see your glory, because what is kavod Hashem in the world? This comes back to our previous last two sessions. That is how everything in the world declares God's presence, right? Everything in the world, it's possible for us to look at it and see it as an expression of Hashem's love and chesed and creation in the world, that God is here. 
And Moshe says, I want to understand how everything in the world could testify to that. Because there's some stuff in the world which it seems like is really far from testifying to God's presence in the world and creation of the world. The purpose of the world is to express that there is a God. That's the purpose. Everything sings Shira. Everything has a song. That's the purpose. When that is expressed, that is called Kavod Hashem. That's God's glory. When the world is expressing, in crea- when the creation that God created expresses that God created it, that's Kavod. And Moshe's saying, I want to see that. Why does he want to see it? Because even Moshe couldn't see everything that way. He could believe it was that way, but he couldn't see it as being that way. He says, I want to see that, given how far some things appear to be from that. And yet, we have a pasuk, Milokol Haaretz Kavodo. The earth is completely filled with his kavod. He says, I don't know. There's spots that I don't see it. God says, okay, I will pass all my good before your face. Hashem is saying, I'm not holding this back from you because I am unwilling to share it with you. Hashem answers Moshe, I will show all of this to you. And call out in the name of Hashem. What does it mean when we say that a person says Hashem's name? What we're doing is we are expressing the reality, we are expressing and informing the reality of God's existence in the world and the way he interacts with it. We've talked about the idea many times. So there's Shakai and there's Elohim and there's Ado. Shem, right? There's different names. When we say a name of God, we are expressing that there is a God and he interacts with the world according to whichever aspect of this goodness that we're talking about. So Hashem says he will call out the name of God. Hashem is saying, I will express out a reality of my interaction with the world. In Cain, Therefore, God was saying, I will pass all of my good before you, Moshe. In such a manner that if the eyes of your understanding, meaning if your brain and your eyes were able to accept all of this, you would be, you would then be grasping everything you wanted to see, but they can't. Hashem is saying, you actually are not able to see this, but it's not because I'm withholding it from you. It's because of the nature of being human. And through this I will teach you to, to appreciate some amount of my goodness. So you will only be able to get from it what you are able to get from it. Not because God is limiting what he's giving, but because you are limited in what you can receive. I will have Rachmanus. 
What's the Rachmanus? I'll have Rachmanus on you, Shalot that you will not die, Lenoga Barakvodi, because of the intensity of the revelation of God's kavod. As I always have Rachmanus on those who, for whom it is fitting. And what is the Rachmanus? Visakosi kapi alecha ad avri, that I will shelter you with my hand until I pass. Yeah. Okay. So I think, first of all, I think that without gazing into, feel, into, into zones that are not ours, that what the Sephorno and the Orachayim have helped us do, and Rashi have helped us do, is to take something into the plane that is ours, to peek through, as the tzitzis helps us do, to the plane that is not ours without trying to look at the plane that is not ours. If we think about what tzitzis is, tzitzis reminds us, the tchelas reminds us of the yam, and the yam reminds us of the rakia, and the rakia reminds us of the kisei hakavod, as opposed to nadav and abihu, who looked at the kisei hakavod, so to speak. What we are learning here in Shema is that for, from our love of Hashem and our desire to draw close to him, that we also have restraint. It is a restraint born of love, not the restraint. It is awe, because restraint is always awe. It's the combination of the awe with the love. Whereas we've seen before Yira, and we've seen before Ahava, let's say to reference to what we talked about on Shavuos, there's the Yira of the Yam, and there's the Ahava of the Rakia. But then there's something that's the Eretz, which is the Yira and the Ahava together. And that's over here in this third paragraph of Shema. It's where I say, I choose to be obligated because I love you. I choose to make a commitment because I love you. I choose to look at the physical as a way of loving Hashem and trying to see more, not by looking at what I shouldn't look at. And Hashem is saying, if you look at the tzitzis in the physical world, from there you can work your way up. You can look in the physical world, you can know where is your place and where is not your place, and through this you can reach to see the peak into something higher, not by means of peaking where you shouldn't peak, not through the mechitza, but through these, I don't know, I suppose you would call them in physics wormholes, right? Where there's these places in the physical world and in our interactions in the physical world that allow us to relate directly to Hashem. Through the physical world, we relate directly to God. We don't need to think that we need to go and, I don't know, I don't know, sit on a mountain in a cave for 10 years and have no, cut off as much physicality as possible, right? Don't eat, don't drink, don't do anything. That's not the normal way that we're supposed to relate to God. We're supposed to relate to God through the physical. And in this way, we can come closer than we could, according to the Nadavanavihu route for spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> what our goal is to actually look into the darkness, so to speak, and in that way to draw close to Hashem in the physical world, through our physical actions, through something like 
how we put on our clothes and how we wear them and how we eat and how we drink. And in this way, we are interacting directly with Hashem. It's just that there's this barrier in between that protects us. Okay. In Tehillim, Pei Dalid, it's a puzzle, Ki Shemeshu Mogain Hashem Elohim. That's not the whole puzzle, it's the fragment. God is a sun and shield for the Jewish people. What does it mean God is a sun and a shield? The Shloss says, Hashem Eshu Tov Adam. The sun is good for people, right? If you ever take science class, they tell you how all energy on the planet essentially is solar energy, almost all of it. Mikomakom, Mirov Hamimus, nonetheless, it's very powerful. And Lifamim Yazik, that can hurt. People can get burned, people can get sunstroke, people can die from too much sun. Not to mention if they try and look at it. But Sarech Magin, therefore, we need also a shield. Ohel, Michse, a tent, a protection. Right? We don't really all want to live out in the heat of the sun. Right now, there's a huge heat wave in Israel. It's like 110 degrees or something. Right? Like, that you need shelter from that sun. Shaloyake Hasharav, in order that the heat not give him heat stroke. Hakadish Baruch, who is for the righteous, Shemesh Vigamagain. He is, so to speak, the sun and the shield. He is the source of light, and he simultaneously protects us from an overdose of the light. So where we feel sometimes that that life is dark or a situation is dark, sometimes it doesn't hurt to remind ourselves that that too can be an expression of love. So we will stop here. Um, we will continue next week and move on to Vasi Samosam, doing them, which is where we go with our